Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown... No, we're not. We're the Mission Cigar and Social. We haven't recorded the Crown in two years. Uh, Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond. And I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man whose taste in cigars is as weird as Sam Elliott without a mustache, Mr. Shen Reeves. Is it not odd, Sam Elliott without the mustache? It is so weird. It took me like three episodes to realize that was Sam Elliott. Well, it was funny because I saw at the start of that season, you know, with special guest Sam Elliott or whatever. And so I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't, you know, you didn't tell me Patton Oswalt was in it. You didn't tell me Sam Elliott was in it. So I saw that. I was like, oh, interesting. And then the first time it pops up on screen and, uh, you know, I don't, oftentimes I'll have it on in the car. And so I'm not watching it. I'm just kind of listening to the dialogue. So I heard his voice and recognized immediately glance and I see no mustache. I was like, that's weird. That's a man who benefits from facial hair. Is that not the best Patton Oswalt, uh, Patton Oswalt, Patton Oswalt's ever been? Oh, he is so good, and I love that nothing, nothing else he did. I like that. I like that he they did such a good job of writing that character, and obviously his performance of making him kind of the bumbling idiot, which is kind of who you expect him to play, but then fully redeem it at at the end of his run. I thought was so good. Yeah, absolutely great. Great move, great done. So are you done with Justified yet, or are you just working on the last season? Nope. So they the episode I just finished on the way down here was where Boyd finds out that Sam Elliott is who he's going after. Okay, so you're just getting into the good yeah, part of it. So this is the last season, so I'm about two or three episodes in. Yeah, the, the last season finished so strong. I You know, the, the season five was kind of okay. With all of the the Mexican cartel stuff, it you know, but this and Mary Steenburgen, I love. So seeing her character kind of come in and do her thing, I'm I'm really enjoying that too. Great show, front to back, great show. Now, I will say there in the middle fifth season, we're talking about where all of the crows come involved. Not I, their best work. Oh, I hated I hated all of that family. I just wanted the season to end and them all die. Yeah, Which absolutely. is basically what happened, so it worked out. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> this show's been off the air for 10 years. <laughs> FDA's plan to ban flavored cigars draws industry resistance. All right, you picked this article. Tell me why. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, I'm on the wrong page. That's by, by the way, we're smoking the same cigars we were in the last show. We're going to switch at the break. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's a Tennessee Waltz and a Devil's Hand. Absolutely. Or no, a uh, Yellow Rose. Yeah, Yellow Rose yeah. and a Devil's Hand. Okay. So the we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The FDA moved on pretty much immediately once they lost uh, the fight with Cigar Rights of America. And they said, okay, we're going to go after flavored cigars. But the cigar industry is leading the charge at pushing back. And Cigar Association of America... Um, President David Osgo um, said, basically, we presented evidence to OMB that FDA's proposal for d- dramatically fails to meet the necessary criteria, offers sort of, basically kind of the same stuff they did. And I think this is great, even if you don't care about flavored cigars, even if you're like me and say, let them have it because it doesn't affect me. It, you know, there was a, a famous poem that came about around the Second World War, you know, first they came for the whatever, and I said nothing because I'm not, and blah, 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 you know. And this is, and that's why I think this is such a good look for the cigar industry is yes, we could easily let go of flavored cigars, but then it just gives them a win, and it emboldens them to keep coming back at it. And I think it's right to keep the pressure up and say, we're not going to lay down. We're not going to give you an easy win and let you keep doing this stuff unless you do it the right way. And we're going to make you, make you work for it. Yeah. I'm it's, this is tough for me because if flavored cigars went away, I think it improves cigars as a whole. Yep. I, I completely agree. I think it improves the industry if it goes away, because then all of the, if you can't go smoke a tobacco-flavored cigar, then don't... Hold on a second. The armchair coach in the shop is yeah. still yelling at the <laughs> Buffaloes game for some reason. Um, 
but one of the things that that he does a really good indication is it, it, in in here is they're they're talking about there's a not a whole lot of evidence that even flavored cigars are an injury point. So even banning it's not really going to curb you smoking to begin with. And B, it's a four billion dollar industry a year. So think about all of A, the revenue to the industry that you're going to kill by doing this and B, the tax revenue you're going to lose. And he's basically making that argument too, that you're an idiot if you pursue this because where do you think the FDA's budget comes from? Right. I mean, I have to defend flavored cigars because I want to keep the Don Lito Africa on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Because if they banned flavored cigars and Miami cigars couldn't sell the Tatianas anymore, they would probably shut down. At least under their current model. I like to think that they're smart enough they could pivot. Well, when they were still distributing La Aurora mm-hmm. as part of Miami, they probably could have. But now that they... That's right. I forget they split. Yeah. Their new head guy just really is all about Tatiana. Yeah. And, uh, and, the, only, uh, and the other Don Lino stuff... Not bad, but not my flavor profile. Yeah, not the Africa for sure. Yeah, definitely not the Africa. The Africa, you know, we spoke last week, what is your Liga Pravada? The Africa is definitely the Liga Pravada of Miami Cigars portfolio. Absolutely. So, yeah, I I think that this is a good article. I think whether you like flavored cigars or not, you have to stand behind the fact that, A, the FDA is still not pursuing the science. They're still not providing data. They're still just trying to do a because-I-said-so type move. And I think that's the important takeaway. Yep, is that absolutely. It's got to be fought just because the way they're doing it's the wrong way to go about it. If the FDA had been smart, now, you had to run this scenario. If FDA had been smart about this, they should have come after flavored cigars first. Yeah. Because that would have been an entry point. They wouldn't have gotten nearly as much pushback. Right. If they had acted like, oh, you know, oh, no, we're not interested in premium cigars. We're not. That's not a big deal. No problem, fellas. We just want the flavored stuff. We, ju- we just want the goofy grape off of the, ca- off of the cash register, and we'll take care yeah. of the backwoods. And the industry would have let them have it, and then they would have had a win to set precedence for right. them to come after the good stuff. Right. If they were smart and they really wanted to get this done, that's how they would have done it. And Thank done God it right. for government. Government ineptitude, huh? Of oh, constantly. Uh, All right. So, speaking of legal battles, uh, or, or rather, in this case, the lack thereof, there must not be much in the way of copyrights or patents in the cigar industry. And I've never really, I, I've mentioned it before, and I've thought about it before, but never quite to the point. So, Vector Switch is uh, slated for early 2024. So this is. A dual flame lighter with a cutter attached. And it I can't tell if it comes in two versions, a V-cut or a, and a straight, or if there are um, other variations associated with it. It looks like the cutter is fully removable if you want to do that sort of thing, or you can use it. It looks so much like the Calibri Astoria. Well, okay, first and foremost, the vector switch. You get to decide whether you want a bad V-cut or a bad straight cut attached to your lighter. Now, so... Oh, just because Vector's cutters are not... Well, just because those those V-cuts that are attached to the lighters are never deep enough. They're not, although this one does look better than most, but yes, I completely agree with you. And also, but I don't think, you know, that was, that was the argument against the Calibri Judge and the Astoria. It, anytime anybody has come out with a lighter that has a cutter attached that isn't just a punch people are always like well it's not a good cutter well it's not intended to be a good cutter it's intended to be a cutter and it's so much for people that don't want to carry around a a kit like you do or don't want to carry around both a cutter and lighter they they want kind of a consolidated piece since it's going to sit in their pocket I can understand the appeal and but what I just am so surprised at is, and like I said, it looks to me as if there's an option to fully remove the cutter. And if that's the case, that does eliminate some of the issues with it being a mediocre cutter. Because really, it's the fiddliness of trying right. to... Nav- so, but it just got me thinking, like, this looks, you know, 
are, are they just not filing patents or is attaching the cutter near the flame point as opposed to near the fill point at the base of the lighter enough of a difference that it's not enforceable? I think fighting, the cost of fighting the battle to enforce a patent is so much more than what you could possibly get out of Vector. And, you know, I don't know if I buy this argument, but everybody that comes in here says the same thing that's an accessory, guys, that, oh, yeah, all the cheap lighters are made at the same plant in China. They just decide whether they put Lotus or Vector or whatever on them. So I don't know if I buy that, but they say that. I, I do, and I'll tell you why. Because from the horse's mouth, the issue that Calibri had with quality in the early 2000s was exactly due to that. They were taking the patented piezo ignition systems that were supposed to go in the Calibris, and they were putting them in other lighters coming off the same manufacturing line. Um, and so, uh, basically, even name-brand Calibris were, were getting counterfeit parts. But that's the chance you get when you take when you do business with China. It, it absolutely You're not is. Gonna, intellectual property means nothing to China. Yeah. But also, I've known some some guys who were in the the textile like consumer uh, apparel business, and the same thing with like Columbia, North Face, Patagonia, all of that stuff. And again, from the horse's mouth, he saw it with his own eyes at the factory. It you know the the the, the assembly line splits, and this one goes to the Columbia embroidery. This one goes to the North Face embroidery. They're all the same stuff. I get that. Yeah, I I absolutely get that. That's that's part of what what's going on there. So maybe just to put a, a finer point on it, the reason that it's not worth enforcing the patents is because then you have to find other means of manufacturing, which drives the cost up. Right. If the, you can't allow them to bulk make it like the amount of money you would have to spend. You'd have to spend to get it made in America. Why are people so loud tonight? I don't He is wearing an Eagles jersey, so that means he's a Philly fan. That explains it. Okay. Oh. They're, they're right. so happy. Yeah. And I'll, anyway, maybe, is the game over? Please tell me that means the game's over. It's very, oh, it's tied with 20 seconds to go. Oh, This goodness. is going to get worse. All right, I apologize to everybody listening. Apparently... We're going to start serving buffalo wings around this joint eventually. <laughs> I am not wearing short shorts and a, and a, and, and a, a push-up top. bra. Okay, well, good. I'm glad, glad you have some <laughs> principles. But anyway, okay, so to try to get my thoughts That's about it. That's the line you think I have? <laughs> okay, so let's since we're suffering through sports in the cigar shop right now. Okay. Let's talk about horse racing. All right. So bloodhorse.com. Fox Sports 2 cover two to cover Cigar Mile Day at Aqueduct. All right. So the article itself, I'm not really interested in. This came up because it's called the Cigar Mile. And there's really nothing about, I did, there's nothing from the article about, you know, why it's called the Cigar Mile. It's in Jamaica. Um, you know, there's nothing, nothing to tie back. But it got me thinking because, you know, the the rules on sports betting got a lot more lax in this country a, a few years ago, and the whatever that there's a TVG, there's actually a, a channel on cable that you can watch horse racing and bet on it all day every day, and it got me thinking as as sports focused as a lot of cigar shops are, why horse racing hasn't sort of picked up or 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 caught on. As a as as a leisure betting uh, endeavor in the cigar shop, I think the kind of person that bets on horses and the kind of person that smokes cigars do not cross paths. So if you go to Las Vegas, yeah, you'll see the section where they'll have twenty TVs on the wall. All at different racetracks. All at different racetracks. Some of them will have a buggy behind of them. Some of them will be a guy on just, you know, the horses will be wearing masks. Some they won't. You know, you'll have all of these different horse races there. And the guys there betting on that are the most soulless, sad, depraved form of gambler known to man. Well, see, I actually have known some horse bettors 
that don't fit that description. And and one who actually used to own a cigar shop up in town, um, it, it, he very much was depraved. But they, um, but at what you know, if you take so. You know, if I've never been in an OTB off track betting, uh, they're big in the Midwest, like up around Chicago is big for it, and they're they're pretty nasty places. You're yeah, a lot yeah. of depravity, a lot of of desperate of humanity. But it, it's kind of like I said last week about how if you had to buy your wine from the same guy that sells you heroin, you'd probably take up heroin at some point, right? If you take the if you take the betting out of the OTB and you bring it somewhere like here, where there's a bit more, it's a bit more subdued. I mean, every cigar shop, I, I bet there are, there are 16 people in this shop. I bet somebody put money on a game this week. I'd say probably a quarter of the people in here probably had some kind of money running on some kind of game this weekend. So sports betting in and of itself is not, uh, you know, necessarily a symbol or a symptom of, of you know degenerate gambler. Yeah, you know, betting on football, okay. And here's the funny thing. Here's here's what always has amazed me about people that bet on football. Who do you know that bets on football that will bet on their favorite team? No one. Right. Nobody wants to... So that in and of itself should give you some indication as to the mindset of the gambler. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, I don't want to ruin this thing I enjoy by betting on it. Then why bet? You know, it's, it's like taking, um, you know, one of my buddies nearly had a stroke because he came in and his wife and his, her girlfriends had decided they were all going to have Coke and whiskey and was using Blanton's. <laughs> he, he nearly had a stroke. I bet. But it's kind of like that. It's kind of like using Blanton in your Coke and whiskey. Why would you? Yeah. But that's that's all the more reason, I think. You know, horse betting, nobody has a favorite horse. Nobody has, you know what I mean? Nobody has a, like, I feel like if you just want to gamble on, so I, I have a former coworker who I would, I would call a friend who put two or $500 in an account 20 years ago. And he's been betting on it ever since. And he 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 works from home. He's got a TV with TVG up on it. And in between meetings and stuff, he'll sit there and place bets. And he does well enough that occasionally he takes money out of it. He's never had to top it up. Um, and I could almost see if you're somebody who wanted to enjoy just that little bit of that. You know, it's the same as a scratch off. But if you if if you could do it in a way where you're not betting with your rent money I think it's fine I, th- I think it's yes I agree but I think the answer to your question is uh, as to why you don't currently see horse betting in cigar shop is that those two classes of people maybe have right. not crossed as of yet now they may yeah. in the future and with all with online betting becoming the big thing and all that they may cross in the future I yeah. hope they don't I kind of don't want to be running a bookie agency here in the cigar shop. I just assume guys come in here and have a cigar and talk about something intelligent as yeah. to yell and scream, you know, go Jupiter's anus or whatever their horse's name is. <laughs> I like I like that you clarified why you said Jupiter's anus. That... <laughs> well, that, that's, how, that's all I could think of for a horse name right off the top of my head. I just, <laughs> and also, yeah, I think that's the answer to your question. Do you want to talk about cigar rings before the break? Ba- yeah, the let's break? do that. That's exactly where I was going to go next. So from the Financial Times. You can tell I put the show information together this yeah, week. Yeah, we have, we have less from Outdoor Life and more from Financial Times. <laughs> hey, I didn't pull anything from NPR New York Times this week, so you've got that going for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So tell me why you chose this article. Tell me what fascinated you enough to bring forth this piece well, of information. Well, a, it's listener. got history involved. You know how, how much I am a student of history and a lover thereof. Um, so apparently... The cigar band is... Now, this is... I'm going to preface this whole thing with... If I'm reading this article correctly, which I think I am, um, we owe the cigar bands that we see on cigars today to Catherine the Great. And the the idea is that a cigar ring 
used to actually be a ring. And so the aristocracy, people that enjoy, you know, we're talking the white glove crowd, they would wear a ring. And then when they, when it was time to smoke, they would take the ring off their finger, put it around the cigar so that they could smoke and not stain either their fingers or their white gloves. And so it just sort of caught on from there. It became a status symbol, of course. And then, and then it later, um, uh, I forgot where it was, but there was a, um, oh, Gustav Bach, a Cuban, uh, cigar maker was the first to put very elaborate, colorful paper ring labels on the cigar as a way to, you know, uh, prevent counterfeiting and to demonstrate superior quality. But it all came from that, uh, from that practice. And I had no idea. I think, yeah, I've always heard the origins of the cigar band was people wearing white gloves, didn't want to get tobacco stains on there. Right. This article takes it a step further to say, okay, they were already doing DIY bands. Okay, but here's the thing. Is not the purpose of a glove to keep something from getting on your hand? Well, so yes, but if you think about the purpose of a white glove in this society was to demonstrate that you weren't getting your hands dirty, right? Okay. So, you know, it's kind of how things fade in and out of fashion. Used to be being very fat was a sign of wealth because it meant that you could afford an abundance of food, whereas now, you know, being able to not have to work and go to the gym every day and be skinny is, is kind of that same. And then, you know, same with uh, being tan. You know, it used to be that being pale was a sign of wealth because right. I mean, you weren't laboring out in the sun. Um, so having white gloves at a time before bleach was invented and being able to keep them white was definitely a sign of wealth and status. Okay. So wanting to be able to keep... Because tobacco stains are are legit. Like, tobacco will stain hardcore. So, um, as my dentist uh, will tell you. So, so I think that's why protecting the the gloves, too. But I will say, today's cigar bands, it's just marketing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's good marketing. I like having the band on a cigar. I find myself less likely to grab an unbanded cigar as I am a banded cigar. I don't think that matters to me. If I'm in there, so, for instance, Yellow Rose of Texas, you're smoking. Yeah. Just has a yellow ribbon on the footband. And I think I would probably smoke more of it and the Tennessee Waltz, both if they actually had a label that stated Tennessee Waltz, Yellow Rose of Texas. Yeah. See, that doesn't impact my decision one way or another. And I think it impacts the decision of the average smoker. Because a lot of our unbanded cigars or our less decorative bands here don't sell near as well. Well, less decorative, that's kind of a different animal to me. I will say I'm less likely to, to purchase a cigar that has no band on it. So, whereas, you know, the Yellow Rose of Texas, the Tennessee Waltz, they at least have some way of identifying what it is. You know, you know, you can look at the shape and the band on the Yellow Rose and know what you're getting. Whereas a, a, a completely unbanded, I think this is honestly why the Padron clone that Don Gonzalez Cigars put out didn't do well. Right. Was because it had no band on it whatsoever. How do I know it's not counterfeit? How, why, why would I think any time and care went into the construction of the cigar if they didn't take the effort to tell me what it is? Well, you know, I had a guy tell me a story yesterday while sitting here smoking cigars. And it's not the most reliable of sources, but it sounds like something someone would do. He said he has a friend that first thing he does when he buys a box of cigars before he puts them in his humidor is takes them out of cellophane and takes the band off of all of them. Yes. Yeah, and then reaches into his humidor. He said, that way he never knows what he's getting. He always just grabs a cigar. And I said, okay, but what if it's great? How do you come back to it? Right. What if it's terrible? How do you avoid it in the future? Yeah, I feel like the only way that works is if you're the kind of guy that only buys three cigars ever. And so you know it's one of those three every time you pull it out. Right, you're just restocking, oh, okay, I'm out of Africa. Right. And I, and I probably, you know, the Africa shape and texture is definitive enough. I probably could pick it out without a band in my humidor. You know, I've always got a box of New Worlds in my humidor. I could take the bands off of that and know what I'm... But 
you know, I've had to do a lot of educating around this place as to people taking their bands off too early anyway. Right. I've spent a lot of time at this place. I actually had, got the volunteer to quit doing that. And all because he would come in and first thing he would do is he would take his cigar and he would pull all the bands off of it and light it up and kept getting and especially when Placencia came in there he would get damaged cigars. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. That's actually uh, an etiquette thing in certain shops and among certain people because as we've talked about many times before, the cigar shop is the great equalizer. You've got your blue collar, your white collar, your your billionaires, your thousandaires, everybody sitting on equal footing. So I've been in several shops that the etiquette is as soon as you purchase your cigar, you take the band off of it. That way nobody can judge anybody else based on what you paid for your cigar, what you're smoking, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know that that's where he gets that necessarily, but there are certain shops that you'll go to where that will be the expectation. Uh, that's interesting. That's, um, I don't know what kind of commie cigar shops you're going to, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting that they that there are shops that have that because to me, it'd be counterproductive to the shop because you know they have to have a greater degree of damaged cigars come from removing the band too early. Well, and it's interesting too because I find there to be a pretty strong correlation between how much you pay for a cigar and whether or not it'll tear the wrapper when you remove the band. Although, uh, except Placencia apparently. Well, and there's been several times that having the band on a cigar is the only way I got to finish that cigar. Oh, that, because it was holding it together. Right. It, yeah, it, yeah. That it stopped the crack in the wrapper at the band, and I was able to smoke through it. Because I returned a cigar here for the first time in probably a year and a half the other day. And all, I grabbed a Perdomo 12-year sun-grown and literally when I lit it, it looked like an earthquake hit. Yeah, it just The wrapper split. split in every direction. It's not, And I'm not commenting on the quality of Perdomo. They're always good quality. It's it a happens. man-made product. And, it, and an agricultural product at that. Yeah. So I had that, and I um, put that in the... I, I took it up to the owner, and I said, hey, check this out. And he said, oh, yeah, go grab you another one. Yeah. But if I had taken the band off of that cigar... I don't think I would have felt comfortable. And I think the owner would have been perfectly legitimate to say, well, you tore the band off of it, of course. Right. Yeah. So I do think you should leave the band on. I think everybody should go ahead and leave the band on. I do too. But that being said, I've never had a Padron rip where, where, the, where the label was so stuck to the wrapper that it tore the wrapper when I removed it. But that's the toothiness of the Padron wrapper. I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I think it is. I think it's that the... Because so, I've, I've had Charter Oaks do it, and they have that same level of toothiness. When I build... when I, One of the details in my house plans that a lot of people don't put in their house plans, when I build a house, I actually have them run a double bead of silicone between the bottom plate of the wall and the subfloor. The reason being is the irregularity in the two woods meeting will create the equivalent of a six-inch air gap exchanging air in your house. Okay. Around the perimeter of the house. So for the price of two tubes of silicone... You, you eliminate that. Right. You make that money back instantly. The first time you turn the heat and air on, you make that money back. Because if you had a hole in your wall exchanging air, a six-inch hole in your wall exchanging air, you'd fill that sucker up. Right. So how this relates to cigars is I actually think that that's what it is, is that there's not... There's an air gap because of the toothiness. Right. Whereas you get the ones that looks like they've been sanded and finished versus a flat piece of paper, there's more surface area contact. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's something to that, but I have had very toothy wrappers that had that problem. So I don't know. I, I think I think there's also a component of, of care and attention to detail, and that's why I say it... it in most cases is related to how much you pay or, or how nice a cigar you're smoking. Well, let's take a break. When yep. we come back, let's talk about E.P. Carrero, Carrillo's Encore Black. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's also glad the game is over, Mr. Trey Dedman. 
<laughs> yeah, I was looking around. We've we're it's in overtime. Oh, there it goes. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's over. It, I was gonna say we need to wait because, but I, our our fan, our noisy fan, had already left. Oh, he had already hit the road. Which your team just won in overtime. You hit the road thirty seconds earlier. Uh, yeah, no what? no celebrating here. Yeah. Okay, so we didn't light our cigars in the first half because we was finishing our cigars from last week's show. Yeah. So I was walking into the humidor, and you said dealer's choice, which gives me a rare opportunity, one, to buy you a cigar because I enjoy buying you a cigar well, from I was, time to time. Well, I was hoping I you would put it on my tab. Well, I know you wasn't angling for that, but I right. did it anyway because... Well, I appreciate it. And so I did the mystery tasting. So I, you, you can do this to me at your leisure. Okay. But I took the label off and brought you a cigar, and I'm interested to see. Now, does this give you stress? Do you feel any pressure that you should be able to know this cigar, or can you just relax and enjoy the smoke? So, it, you know, it's funny because people who have been listening to this show for a long time know that when it comes to blind tastings or back when we used to play the cigar aficionado game, I'm pretty good at it. In fact, last time we did a blind test, I think my first real guess was the Wise Man Maduro, and it was the Tabernacle. Like, I feel pretty good about that. Um, so I, I do feel a little bit of pressure, especially because looking at this cigar, this looks familiar. I feel like this will be a cigar that when you tell me what it is, if I'm not even close, I'm going to feel disappointed. Um, but at the same time, it's late on a Sunday. Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I've actually managed not to work today, which is rare. Um, and I'm on a dirty palate, so I don't have a lot of high expectations for my ability to taste nuance out of this. So I'm c- going to try and just sit back, relax, and enjoy it. Well, I actually think the average person I handed them that cigar to smoke, I think their chances of correctly ascertaining what the cigar is would be about 20%. I put your chances at around 60. I feel okay. like you're... Now, that, don't don't let that get in your head. That's not saying that that's a cigar you should recognize. Right. No, it's it's the just the cold draw or the flavor when I put my lips to it is interesting. It's something I've definitely smoked before, um, but not recognizable, if that makes sense. It's familiar, but not recognizable. Well, as we go through in your smoke and get it, it'll be interesting. I, I grabbed A.J. Fernandez, San Latano the Bull, one of my favorite cigars, Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan binder and filler, just A.J.'s best work. Just uh, the meat and potatoes, what makes A.J. Fernandez a great cigar, band, a cigar brand is right here in my hand. I didn't realize you were such a big fan of that cigar. I, I, I love the Bull. Um, in fact, back in the day, back when it still had the cedar with the burnt emblem of the bowl, I think it was better. I think they have changed the blend since then. It doesn't taste quite the same to me as it used to. But, man, that is a fantastic cigar. Well, and probably it doing a little aging in cedar yeah. probably might make a little difference, too. Those cedars should be inert. It, it should make. By the way, I am ordering me a new humidor. Oh, really? I'm going to get rid of the big cabinet. You know, I've had the large cabinet since I bought it from that cigar shop that went out of business. And I found one that's a drawer humidor. It's a 1500 cigar. It's got 10 drawers. Nice. And they open, they close. So it it keeps the cigars out of the light as well as in sealed drawers. And I can organize the drawers accordingly. All of my cigars will be laying flat. How big is it? Um, so they say it'll hold 1,500. I figure it'll probably hold, if it holds 600, I'll be happy. Okay. That'll be more cigars than I have anyway. Right. So I'll have to share that with me because I'm, yeah. I'm, the way I'm buying cigars these days, uh, my, my 50 count is overcrowded. I usually have a, a box that's sitting there waiting in the wings that I have to smoke down my humidor before everything will fit in there. So I'm, I'm looking to, to upgrade. So that might be, that's going to be a bit big for what I need, but I do, I, I like the idea. Oh, it's quality importers too. So it's, Yeah, it looks like a blueprint cabinet. It does. It, that's one of the things I like about it is it looks it like. it fits your aesthetic. Or it's, yeah, it looks like that old timey blueprint cabinet my father had at the 
office where back in the days when we had to make vellums and do um, blueprints of such a way you kept the vellums in a very secure location. So that feels like a blueprint cabinet. So I'm, I'm going to be interesting. I'll have to put, when it comes in, I'll have to post a, a ad on the um, Cigarcast yeah. page showing the new humidor. Yeah. For everybody to see. So before we get started, I want to say, just before I even lit it, I, I, I thought it was a requiem. And it's, it, I wanted to go on record to let you know where I started. I know that's not what it is after smoking a quarter of an inch of it. But that was kind of where my head started. Yeah, it, it, not a requiem, but I understand how you could get there from there. So, from Half Wheel... E.P. Carrillo's Encore Black slated for 2024, getting Black Friday preview at Fox Cigar Bar in Arizona. So, basically, this is the Encore, but with a Maduro wrapper. Right. And I love the Encore. I think it's a great cigar. I won't say I love it, but I like it. Yeah. The, um, the main thing that's keeping us from getting E.P. Carrillo in here is they're the classic probably the worst case scenario of a company that has a couple of good cigars and a lot of mediocre cigars and you've got to buy the mediocre right. yeah they want you to carry their mediocre stuff to carry their good stuff so they're that's one of the reasons they're not in here but if if they came to me and said hey shane buy buy a box of whatever you want we'll sell you whatever you want oh i'd have the encore in here the La Astoria. yeah yeah just in a heartbeat so it's a uh, Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro uh, over Mexican San Andreas over Mexican San Andreas binder and then fillers from Nicaragua. So I mean that's a pretty good recipe. You don't see San Andreas binder very often. You're seeing you're you're starting to see it more and more often. Sorry, yeah. I had my cigar in my mouth and started talking. You're starting to see it more and more often as right. people continue. And I think maybe San Andreas is becoming more readily available. Or, or cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Used to, you know, Pedro always said it was hard to get San Andreas, but I don't think it's hard to get anymore as it used to be. So they're doing it. The interesting thing is they're just doing a limited release of this as part of a tasting at Fox's Cigar Bar. And then Carrillo will probably... I imagine Carrillo will be introducing this one at the show. I imagine I'll get to smoke one of these at the show. Yeah, if I if I had to guess, I would say that that's probably... Interesting part of the article is they said, um, Lisette Perez Carrillo declined to comment about the cigar to half wheel, saying the company was holding off on details until later. So that, that tells me that they don't know what they're going to do with this cigar yet. Um, to, to your point earlier, what one of the things I love about this idea, though, is the 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 launch party, and I you don't see that very often, uh, where where a you know they pick a shop, they come in, here's a new blend, a new release, here's an event around it, etc. And I wonder why we don't see more of that. Cigar lounge events require that you have a crowd you have trained to come to those. Well, but so, so much of every, so every, every cigar shop has its own taste. You know, I was talking to Mark in here earlier today and Perdomo drives the bus here. You know, the lights are on, the game is playing all because of Perdomo. Everything else is gravy. And so every brand has at least one shop in this country who they would say the same about. You know, right. um, in fact, for Perdomo, it's in Fuego in Rockwall, uh, right outside. Actually, they have four locations in the Dallas Metroplex. That shop pays their bills. And so I don't think it would be too hard if you're Tatawahe, if you're AJ Fernandez, if you're you know, Camacho. To say, this is the shop that always shows up to our events, that buys, you know, they're our number one account. They've got a huge group of regulars. We're going to do a launch party at this shop. I, I don't think there's a single company in that humidor that couldn't find one shop to do that for. Oh, absolutely. I think, And I think that's the trick. I think that's the, you know, we don't have a event culture here at this shop. 
when we have events, the few we've had here have not been huge. They've not been big successes. We That's why we do the poker nights the right. way we do. That's why we've just switched over to just doing poker nights with guys. Because at least the poker night, the guys... You've got a captive all, audience. Right. You know that a certain amount of people are just showing up to play poker, and they'll try the cigars while they're there. Yeah. So that helps. And plus, the poker creates kind of an energy in here. People like to come here on Tuesday night that don't play poker. Right. Yeah, just because there's a lot going on. Yeah, it creates an energy that something's happening. So, yeah, I think this, I think this is an interesting way to bring out a cigar... Especially if you're not like Drew Estate and don't have a cult following that you can do the freestyle live thing with. Right. So the other piece of this that kind of piqued my interest is the fact that they did it on Black Friday. So, you know, the cigar world doesn't really pay attention to Black Friday. In fact, you know, I don't I think Black Friday by and large is on the way down. You know, we went out we didn't go shopping on Friday, but all of us you know, gathered up in the cars and we headed into town. We went to a park. We went out to lunch. You know, we just did the traffic wasn't bad. You know, the service at the restaurant, it was mostly big tables. Like there wasn't a single, you know, four top. They were all, you know, eight, nine. Uh, So it was people doing what we were doing. The traffic coming home yesterday was worse than on Friday. And so I'm, I'm seeing that because, you know, the Black Friday deals started hitting my phone on Monday before, you know, all this, so there's just no need to go out to retail. So I say all that to say, you know, the cigar industry and the cigar retail shops have never really done Black Friday deals or anything like that. But I wonder why cigar shops have never felt the need. Let's do a middle of the day event on Black Friday. I mean, I guess you have to get a rep that was is willing to work the day after Thanksgiving. It's probably the hard part. But if you live somewhere here or like Atlanta where the rep lives local and it's not much of a headache, I can see that happening. Well, the NFL and college football have done a good job of having games going on at that time now. And all there was, um, you know, there was Black Friday football games, Texas Tech and Texas played. Right. Several of the college football teams played. And, of course, there was a couple NFL games. So I think the shop are already going to draw on that day because the guys' wives have gone shopping. Yeah, But now I will agree with you I think Black Friday's on the way out I think Black Friday A few years, you know 15 years down the road By the time your son's 15, 16 years old um, He may say Why do they call it Black Friday, Dad? Right And you'll say Well, used to the day after Thanksgiving All us Neanderthals would hook the horse and buggy up And (laughs) ride down to the co-op And buy our Christmas presents Well, well, it's funny Because I was explaining that Um to the the foreign exchange student that was there with you know she obviously understood and had had a concept for what black friday was but um you know as recently as when i was in single digits black friday wasn't what it is today you know it was it was the most popular shopping day of the year and it got its name because that was when all of these companies went into the black for the first time in the year and so everything from that point forward was profit but they didn't do the big sales. There wasn't the, you know, the melees and the fighting over flat screen TVs and all that stuff that it became. It was, and it seems like around maybe the late nineties, early two thousands is when companies started really capitalizing on that and, and having the huge deals and, and things like that. And that, yeah. And it got to a point where everyone was doing it and then it became such, so burdensome. And then it became so much easier to just go on Amazon and have everything delivered to my house in the next couple of days. And it's starting to fall by the wayside. To back, It'll end up going back to what it used to be, which is just people just happen to, to go shopping on that day. Well, I will say I did do something rare for me. I did actually order some cigars on Corona Cigars Black Friday sale. Mm. But I was saving $100 a box. See, it's funny because I, I get notifications from about three or four different cigar retailer websites. I didn't get anything that really piqued my interest. I looked at them all, and they well, either weren't great deals or they weren't having deals on the stuff that I wanted to buy. We had to dig for this a little bit, but they had a 20% off of everything and just happened that one of the cigars that I really like was on sale. And the cigar usually retails for $249 a box here, and they had it for sale for $159 a box. You can't pass that up. I bought four boxes. Yeah. 
Now, I won't smoke them here, but I'll no. smoke them at home. Right. I'll smoke them on our trip to the mountains and things like that. But at that price, you can't deny it. Yeah. I, w- I was actually a little disappointed in in the quality of the of the sales on the cigar, the emails that I got. But, yeah, even if you're not doing an event, I just, I feel like people have been, you know, locked at home all day the day before, you know, either with their family or, you know, visiting family. I feel like cigar shops could capitalize on just just take a break. Come hang out with us. Oh, absolutely. So, from Cigar Journal, J.C. Newman and the Leroy Neiman Foundation ship Leroy Neiman 23. Uh, this was a big deal at the show. Was it? They had these, but they didn't have good details on how to get them and things like that. And Unfortunately, we're just not a big enough Newman customer to right. get something like that, like this here. But I did see these and did note that they were very attractive cigars. Yeah, I think the the band, the cigars, everything is is incredibly uh, well put together. It, it looks great. Uh, I'm not terribly familiar with Leroy Neiman. Is that somebody? He, he was an artist. Is that somebody that you're particularly familiar with? Not a clue. Um, Never heard of him till I seen the the thing at the show, and they said, "Oh yeah, he's an artist." Yeah, and so, you know, it's it's that abstract art style stuff, but it's actually a little more attractive than Picasso. That's not or abstract; like that. it's impressionist. Oh, oh, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> so the cigars are handcrafted at uh, J.C. Newman's El Reloj factory in Tampa. Um, six by fifty-two Toro rolled with Havana Rosado wrapper, Florida sun-grown binder. And a blend of aged filler tobaccos from Latin America, which is about as generic as you can get, isn't it? Something I like about this: uh, the limited edition is twenty or no ten thousand cigars packed in five hundred cabinets of twenty cigars, with a suggested retail price twenty bucks a stick. That's a pretty good price for a special edition limited with from J.C. Newman. Oh yeah, that's a pretty inter- pretty good price and. The profits help them to improve art education in public schools, things like that. That that's the other thing I really love about this. All of the proceeds, all the profits are, are going back into the community, uh, specifically around you know around Tampa. Art, art education and so that, which is which is a budget area that anytime public schools have to cut funding, that's always the first place to go. And having a kid who's just absolutely obsessed with the drama and theater program at, at her school. I, you know, I would hate to see that funding be cut and her lose what she loves uh, about extracurriculars and things like that. So. Well, one of our local districts here in Tennessee, Mount Pleasant, they actually changed the property values in Mount Pleasant. It's just south of Columbia because they decided to put in a performing arts school. Their school focuses on performing arts. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a kid that didn't want to play football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, whatever, ball, whatever, and all, you could take that kid and go to Mount Pleasant and they could really explore that part of their personality. And it changed a lot because a lot of the higher, more intelligent executive type people said, okay, I can work from home. I would rather drive a little further when I need to for my kid not to have to be in a school where the quarterback is the most important person in the game. Exactly. Well, or, or they don't, you know, I grew up in a school without a performing arts program at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would have loved it. And so just being able to find an environment that's still close to home for your kid to thrive is, is uh, something that I don't know a single parent who wouldn't try to make that happen. Yeah, by the way, I, w- I will say we do have a pretty exciting event we're going to do here. I don't know if I've, t- I don't think I've told I you don't about think, yeah. our New Year's Eve party here. Oh. So El Septimo is going to sponsor. We're all going to dress up. It's going to be a poker game, and your poker ticket includes four El Septimo cigars. It's 75 bucks for the ticket. Okay. Includes four El And I'm not trying to sell this to right. our listeners. I'm just, I just want your honest feedback on this, and I thought the listeners might be interested to hear it on all the right. radio. So, $75 a seat. We're only selling um, 12 seats to this poker game. Two tables of six. Yeah. Everybody dresses up. You get four El Septimo cigars. 
you get champagne toast, and, all, and we're actually doing it at 11. We're going to do it at, New, at midnight New York time. That way everybody can get home. That way we get home before the drunks hit the road. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a special drawing that there will be 12 poker player tickets put in there, that the poker players will be drawn only for that, but it also includes a plus one and a dry cleaning ticket. That is such a great idea. You did tell me about this earlier so you this can, week. So you can take yeah. the dry cleaning ticket and get your suit cleaned after you wear it in the cigar shop to play poker that night. Yeah, because how often, especially, you know, there are so many guys that come in here. In, anytime I go somewhere with my wife and, and she's sitting there with me when we're smoking a cigar, I, I always get comments. I'm in, man, you got, a, you got a real one. I have to strip in the garage and blah, blah. So knowing that that's a complaint of plus ones, uh, you know, everywhere, how nice to be, look, I know you're not going to want to smell it on our clothes. That's covered. Well, and we're doing two levels of tickets. We're doing tickets for the poker players, and we're doing just tickets for general admission. And the general admission ticket's 40 bucks, and it covers two cigars from El Septimo and the people. You yeah. know, the the champagne and the food and all that good stuff. And also, it's going to be interesting. That'll be a lot of it's, fun. It's going, I'll be interested to tell the listeners how that turns out, because that's an interesting experiment we're doing this year to see how that works out. Now, will it be... So, I guess it's it's in, entry by ticket only, like the shop's closed? Yeah, which really is not going to impact us at all, because last year, New Year's Day, dead. people come in and they buy cigars and they leave and take them to their New Year's party with them. Right. So it's not like we're actually losing anything as far as somebody might want to come in here and sit down. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting. It'll be a fun event. It's going to be something different for the poker game. Of course, we'll have upgraded prizes and all that yeah. stuff for the poker game. And will I this even, contribute to your championship? No, this will be this will be a Exhibition. outside of the championship game. Well, the championship game actually the last game for points is December twenty eighth. Oh, okay. So you will hit. And, and I'm right on the bubble right now, man. Man, oh, I'm yeah. sitting. I'm sitting in a tie for tenth with three other people. I have got to win poker in the next couple of days, or it's going to be terribly embarrassing that the commissioner does not qualify for his own. Well, then you can say you did it on purpose, because if you won it all, people would think the fix was in. Think it was rigged. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that'll, that'll be my go-to excuse. <laughs> all right. Let's hit one more. Do you want to talk about how to paint a room? Yeah, let's do it. And I close that article. Why don't you so, get from the Art of Manliness, Skill of the Week, Paint a Room, How to Paint a Room. Okay. Um, the article goes into, yeah, tape off the base, roll the paint, put it all, you know, all of that stuff. Is it because I've spent my life in home building that this seems like a no-duh? Yeah, I, well, but the thing is, I have not spent my life in home building. But the basics of how to paint a room are so simple, it's, it's one of those tasks where if you spend twice as much time before you start, It'll be four times easier. Right. And there are so many jobs like that. Um, but a lot of people just don't take the time. They, they try to cut in around the outlet covers instead of just taking it. Because some people are scared to death to even take a screwdriver to the faceplate of, of an outlet. They think they're going to set their house on fire. Right. Yeah. So there are some things, maybe. Well, I will say, so just a quick summary, and they miss something very important in this. Clear the room of pictures, furniture, move them in the center of the room. Painter's tape on all the trim so that you don't, and on around the ceiling so that you get your edging right. Yeah. And then they say, so they say you roll the walls first and then use a brush to get around the edges. I do it opposite that. I always do my brushwork first. Right. I do my brushwork first because then as I'm rolling the walls, I tend to, it tends to feather feather out the brushwork. Um, apply a second coat, then remove the tape, clean up your brushes. Um, what what uh, step did they miss in this particular procedure? So there's two things, I think. One is they say to immediately remove the tape. I, I wait till it gets tacky dry. I, you don't want to remove it when it's still wet. I, I don't believe. Do you disagree with that, or do you ever really think about it? The modern tape is so good... And I'm good enough at taping. The reason to remove the tape before it dries is so that you don't, if you have some so paint. So peel off. Right, so you don't peel the paint as it. So I understand that. Um, 
I could go either way, either yeah. way with the modern painters tape don't have that problem right. unless you're just really bad at it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I lay down plastic like I'm Dexter and I'm getting ready to slaughter a hog in that room. Drop cloth everywhere. I even tape it to the baseboard so that that's an extra layer of protection against drippage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they did this article and they totally missed the drop cloth principle. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that, that's what, because even if you, as you're rolling, if you don't keep that roller wet enough, it will shed little drops back over your shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. Onto the carpet. So I am surprised they, they missed that. But your bigger point about this article from yeah. our comments. Yeah, so I spent my Thanksgiving day Well, actually, it was Black Friday. So, about two weeks ago, I got into my wife's car, and it was kind of, it started kind of hard. And I said, you're going to need a new starter soon. I can tell it's not the battery, it's the starter. And she goes to get into the car as we're headed down to Georgia. She goes, I don't know that we're going to make it back. I said, I don't know. I I bet we can make it through the weekend. Well, strike one up to my wife being right. We go to go into town Friday, and I go to start the car, and it won't start. And it's just like I've got a, you know, like all of the teeth are stripped. Right. Uh, okay. So we pop in my mother-in-law's car, and we go out, and which, by the way, is a Buick Enclave. How the hell did you drive that car for so long? That is the worst car I have ever driven. Mine was an Encore. It was a little bigger. Oh, that's a, I said Enclave. I meant Encore. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Um, it was awful. Blind, more blind spots and visibility. Just r- ride was awful. Just, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to drive that car every day. Anyway. So we get back, and of course, I go to the auto parts store. Luckily, they've got one in stock, and I go back, and my, my poor father-in-law owns exactly three wrenches, uh, two of which are the same size. <laughs> and he lost the 10 millimeter. No, oh, and they were all standard, no metric. Oh, okay. And we drove a Toyota. So. Uh, so then I have to get back in the mother-in-law's car, go back, buy a ratchet set, and then... <laughs> Oh, and then this is great. So I buy just, okay, grab one mechanic set, not realizing that the biggest uh, socket it has is a 12 mil, and I need a 14 to actually get the start. I can get to it with the 12. I need a 14 to get the start. So I have to go back, buy another ratchet <laughs> So what should have been a 20-minute job, super easy part to replace, uh, ended up taking me a couple of hours. No problem whatsoever. But it got me thinking, like painting a room. There are some jobs that I have some skill for. I don't want to do it, though. And painting a room is one of those where I would just rather hire someone to do it. Tile work. Yeah. I would much rather hire my tile work done than do it. I can do it. I have the skills. It's basic carpentry. It doesn't take a genius to lay tile. But I hate laying tile. I would always rather pay for it. See, I'm going to find out. In a cup, in about a month or two, if, if I fall into that same category, we've picked out our tile. We're we're gonna order it. That's our Christmas present to each other is just buying the tile, and I'm gonna tile the backsplash in our, in our kitchen. Which, if you're gonna do tile work, I've I've heard that's the place to start. You don't have Backsp- to worry about drains and things yeah. like that. Backsplash, pretty good place to start. Um, the wet saw, you get a wet saw. Don't yeah. use the breaker. Right. A lot of people go cheap and they use the breaker where you slide it through. Yeah. You'll, you'll pay. I'm sure that's rent. fine on glass tile, but we've got ceramic. I'm yeah. getting the wet saw. Go rent a wet saw. You can rent a wet saw for next to nothing. Right. And all. But yes, also, the, you know, this is funny that you mentioned this because this came up in the shop last week. Uh, one of our guys in the shop here, retired guy, not, not a decrepit, not an old decrepit guy, but a, a retired yeah. guy. He said, yeah, I've got some trees that need trimmed. I think I'm going to go rent a cherry picker and trim them myself. And I said, don't. I said, hire an arborist. Have somebody come out there and trim those trees. 
because I guarantee you the chances of you tearing more up than it would cost to hire an arborist. You know, first you're going to be using a, an inferior grade of chainsaw. More than likely. You're not going to know where to cut. You're going to set up the cherry picker and mess up the yard. You're yeah. going to drop a limb on something or something's going to happen. Then you've got to drag all the limbs to the road. You've got to call the city for pickup. Hire somebody. Yeah. Now, see, I do like trimming a tree. Um, I, I've, I've actually been known. We had an electric pole saw. And because we've got one tree at my dad's house, I was doing this for him that kind of gets into the power lines. And so it has to be trimmed back fairly regularly. And if you if you wait for the electric company to come by and do it, they're going to make a mess of it. Oh, yeah. They just they just whack the top of the tree off. Yeah. And so I actually the pole saw wasn't tall enough to get where I needed to. So eventually I just took the pole off of it put the uh, extension cord on a carabiner on my belt, and I climbed the tree with the electric chainsaw. And you know what? I would do it again. It was fun. The, but it was away from the house. It was away from, you know, in, right. any sort of... Uh, yeah, I can see how that would be... Well, evaluate the chore. Right. And is the risk versus the reward. Well, I learned the hard way recently that wallpaper... Is one of those. Uh, the the closest my wife and I have ever come to a knockdown drag out fight was over this stupid wallpaper, and I, fi- I I did one strip, and it was the easy one on the wall that didn't have any outlets, didn't have any switches, it, windows, nothing. It was just a straight. And after an hour to do one strip, I said, "No, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I'm hiring this done." Did you end up hiring somebody? We haven't yet, but I finally got her to agree. So in your bathroom, there's one strip of wallpaper. There's two strips. uh, (laughs) She tried one. Yeah, because she couldn't just listen to me. Uh, She had to learn for herself. She goes, okay, you're right. Um, So that's one for each of us, right, with the starter. But uh, Yeah, I think, you know, tree trimming, if you're on a tight lot and you want it done right, just hire somebody. So it, the sticker shocks a lot on that, but it's worth it. Well, and so to this point, we've all we've been talking about manual labor kind of stuff. Uh, one that we've started doing recently that I can't believe I never did it sooner. My taxes. So mm-hmm. I've always done my own taxes because they make it so easy. You go online; they say you can do it for free, but good luck trying to get through it without them getting you for thirty to fifty bucks. And it's it's easy enough. It takes a day, but. We have several CPAs in the family, and so it was... It, I'll never do my own taxes again. I've never done my own taxes. I've always had somebody. Yeah. it's And it's, you know, if you're just an employee, if you don't own your own business, if you don't have any complex situations, it's not that big a deal. Um, and I was luckily never in a position where I felt like I needed to get my tax return early, like so many people that go to H&R Block and stuff, but... It's just such such a chore, and so just it's so nice to just hand off the paperwork and say, let me know what to expect in the mail. All right, so it has come that time. Give me your guess. Well, first, tell me what you think about the cigar. Before you guess about it, before you rank it, before you do anything of that kind, tell me what you think about the cigar. So it's mild, um, which, again, I think my palate being a bit worn out is, is affecting this. Because I'm not really getting a lot of tasting notes out of it. It's um, so I didn't describe this at the front of the show, but it's a very smooth wrapper, not toothy at all. Um, if I, I've got absolutely no clue, I don't think it's a Perdomo Sungrown. Um, of of any variety. Um, although, I, if you tell me it is, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, is it a Camacho Corojo? Nope. No? What is it? Oh, the Blind Man's Bluff Nicaragua. You know, I have smoked so many of these cigars. Uh, so there's the familiarity from it. Uh yeah, that makes perfect sense. I figured you'd have got it. I really did. When I picked it, I said, okay, I'm going to be, because I know you're going to do this to me at some point. Yeah. 
And I said, I'll be nice and I'll pick one that I think he's got a real shot at. I'm not going to go in there and pick something, you know, that's really, it was either, I was either going to pick this or the Laranja from um, Espinosa. And I knew you hadn't smoked a lot of Laranja. Yeah. If on a, on a clean palate, I think I would have got it. So what do you rate the blind man's bluff? Uh, it's a five and a half. I love this stick. Always been. Yeah. Good cigar, good stick, high quality. Uh, San Latino, perfect. It's a six every yeah. day, all the time. Always going to be a good smoke. Always going to be fun. Excellent. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, uh, Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, and email info at the cigarcast.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.